we'll get get started. I just want to kind of uh, give a just a quick little reminder from just kind of a series that we've been in over the past um, couple of weeks. Not really a series. I'm not good at series because my brain does not work in series, right? I do not think linearly, so I don't teach or preach linearly. I preach in circles. I mean, I am a rabbit trailer, okay? I mean, that's, you know, uh, but that's okay. I mean, you, you get it. I like to, every point, every thought is serious, and then it's humorous, and then, you know, it's going to come back to serious again, right? It'll connect. You just got to be patient, so. But, so I teach in themes. You see, I was rabbit trailing right there, but it came back to the theme. Uh, so, is, is just kind of this idea of talking about different governments, different institutions, you know, as, as, as the book of Isaiah says, that the, the government is upon Christ's shoulders, you know, and, and, and he wrote some things and he established some things that are very intentional. We, we see it in scripture, but it, more importantly, we see it in nature, right? So last week we talked about the institution or the government of family. You know, the family is the, the core, the central unit of, of, of creation. I mean, it was God's plan. It was God's idea. In fact, we kind of left with this idea that our nation, um, or, or the family can exist without a nation, but the nation cannot exist without the family. And so, and, and it's the, it's the goal of the, the enemy, the devil. What he tries to do is he tries to bring division within the family. And if he could break up the family, which is the, the father, the mother, and the children, right? And, and we're talking about a father being a, you know, biologically, biological male and a biological female having biological children or adopted children. I mean, let's just be realistic. I mean, ad- adopted children and all that stuff. So, I mean, but that's the family unit, right? And the man, the father being the spiritual leader of his house. I mean, so, so all you dads out there said, man, if only my wife, listen, you men, you have lost all ability to complain about your wife. It's all your fault, right? And as soon as you recognize that, you're going to see some real change, right? It's like, you got to realize that. Yes, that's right. It's a wonderful principle, right? It's a lot easier to say than do. I'll just say that, right? Y'all can smile and laugh at me. It's, uh, you know, it's just the truth. I mean, you know, the truth can be lighthearted. So anyway, the family. We talked about how God also establishes a community of believers, how that community of believers can be the church, you know, and he, established, he establishes offices within the church. I mean, we can see that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And God establishes even uh, governments. It says in the book of Romans that we see that God created government to look after the affairs of many. Actually, I mean, we'll talk about that over these next couple of weeks. Uh, And we'll kind of talk about different layers of government, local government, state government, and go through that. So, But in all of those realms, in all of those governments, in all of those institutions, us as believers have a role, right? It's not like, I mean, you, you're going to have to be a family man. You also need to be a church man and woman. You need to be involved in your community. The, the, the greatest threat to our nation is a church that's not involved in the affairs of a nation. You know, just because we don't have the president we like, or maybe we do have the president we like, it it's really doesn't matter. If, if the church is not involved and engaged, then the, the, the government's going to fall apart anyway. So, you know, we, we need to be salt. We need to be light. We need to be plugged in, connected. So I want to, we're going to talk about how to actually do that in an effective way over these next several weeks. So 
But tonight we're going to talk about the church, and more specifically, we'll talk about the fivefold ministry. And I've got a special guest here with me, a great friend. Me and, and Manny and Victoria have been knowing each other for like three years. I met them uh, with king cake in my hand, right? We got invited to a, a ministry event in Dallas, and me and Shannon were kind of nervous. We we're going to meet a group of pastors and ministers from all over the uh, the North America, I guess, to be. And uh, I'm like, babe, we, I don't even know how to approach this. So I was like, let's just stop and get boudin balls and, and, and king cake. They're going to like us. I promise, you know? And, um, so it worked. Yeah, it worked. It was great. Yeah. You know? So, uh, in fact, last year we flew, there's one of those rabbit trails last year we flew and we didn't bring the king cake. And I'm like, oh, they're kind of questionable if they're going to invite us back now. So they said, y'all need to drive by the way. It's just hard enough drive. So, but anyway, but man, Manny and, and Victoria have been just some great friends and encouragement to us, you know, through some of the difficult seasons, you know, you go through as a pastor, you got to have somebody that you can talk to that's kind of outside of your circle and realm that's just going to give you some truth and some encouragement all at the same time. And, and Pastor Manny's really done that on, on a couple of occasions in a couple of situations. So I really appreciate it. And we just, we just honor you here tonight and we welcome you into our house. We uh, are so glad to have you. Me and Pastor Manny, along with a few other pastors, had the opportunity to go enjoy God's creation over the past couple of days, and then we shot it out of the sky. Uh, so it was awesome. So, you know, God gave us the birds there. He provided quail for the people in Israel. So, I mean, he provided teal for the us, you know, so there it is, you know. So, but anyway, so if we could, man, can we just take a moment, stand up and just welcome Pastor Manny as he comes and just shares the word with us? Love you guys so much, man. Good evening, everybody. Go ahead and grab a seat. Um, what a time we've had here so far. Um, when when Pastor Joe and, and Shannon brought that king cake to our pastor's gathering, they told me to be careful because I could take a bottle of baby Jesus. And I was, as I was eating the cake, I'm like, oh, baby Jesus, baby Jesus. And I didn't want to bite baby Jesus because I didn't want baby Jesus to get mad at me. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yes, guys, I, you know, I've spoken to some owners of bakeries that they sometimes regret working at bakeries because they constantly work with fresh baked bread and they become familiar with it. But they love to see the faces of tourists that come by and stop because of the aroma of the fresh baked bread. And to them, they've become smell blind. And, and so... I'm here to tell you that the pastors that you have here are fresh baked bread that maybe, maybe, maybe some of you have gotten accustomed to. They're not Joe and Shannon. They are the people that God has placed in this house. And specifically, Jesus calls them angels of the church. And they are fresh baked bread that 
if you don't smell their bread, you need to go maybe go back into your prayer closet again and come back and then recognize that the anointing that they have here is the anointing that is going to take this church, but not just the organization and the structure of First Assembly, but you. It's going to take you to your next level, being planted in the place that God's called you to be in. And so you're Wednesday night people. That means you're your real Christians. <laughs> Them Sunday goers that don't come on Wednesday, but you know, they aight, they aight. But you guys are real believers. So I'm obviously talking to the choir because you really must love your pastor to come on a Wednesday night, especially after mowing all day long. Right, there we go. And sitting on the front row. Uh, my wife Victoria and I, we um, we we uh, been in ministry now for 32 years. Uh, we're church planters and and um, and church relaunchers. We we we're not assemblies of God, so don't 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 hate. Just participate tonight, but don't hate. Don't throw stones. No, we're we're independent, and we um, we oversee uh, four churches and. Um, kind of work together with, uh, we plant and then we have spiritual sons and daughters and then we oversee churches. So currently now we are in, in Lawrenceville, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta and um, have a church there called Discover Life Church and God's done some incredible things uh, there. Um, and the uh, neat thing is we are about to release our first worship album. Um, so I am throwing a plug in. It's Discover Worship, and the album is called Holy Love on the 24th on midnight. It goes live on 14 different platforms with video and everything. It's going to be fantastic. I'm really pumped about this one, by the way. It's got some songs. It's got some really, really good potential. So I'll be contacting your pastors just to make sure to let you guys know again. Um, but yeah, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here, and I have to hurry because... Time is running out, and I got a I got a trailer to pull here. Um, you know, I got to meet Abby on uh, on on online on Facetime, and then I got to meet Seth and Nathan. Those guys are awesome. As they were telling me about their pre-workout stuff, and um, Seth is telling me all the chemical compounds of pre-workout, and and, and Mom was thinking, "Are you doing meth, boy?" And and <laughs> you better quit. <laughs> it was hilarious as I was eating gumbo. Um, it was the gumbo was fantastic, by the way. My goodness. Anyways, I guys, I, so much I want to I want to cover, but but I just wanted you to get to know us a little bit. Um, I have four kids. Uh, uh, my oldest daughter is the associate pastor of our Miami church, and I have uh, three other boys that are helping us. Uh, they they run all the tech in our church. Um, and they're doing great. One of them was just retired uh, from a professional ballet dancer where he met his wife there. Now they're at church with us. And uh, yeah, so that's us. I got Callista, Zane, Zion, and Zealand. Um, and so, yes, I know uh, my wife's creative. And so, but let's, 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 let's get, I want to talk about church government and the fivefold ministry. Now, what this is not a Sunday morning or revival sermon meeting preaching. I'm not going to spit. I'm going to give you a lot of information. Okay. Um, gosh, I can't listen. Can I, can I, 
y'all do prophetic words here, right? Because y'all had Tommy and Miriam, so you guys are crazy. Okay. So this lady here, um, ma'am, right, you right there. What's your name? Yes, ma'am. Becky? Banky. Oh, I like Banky. Ooh. That's like 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 a lot of money Banky, right? <laughs> Banking. You know, what, what I, as immediately, as soon as I came up to the platform, I, I saw a spigot open up right above you. And the Lord says, ooh, I'm about to pour into your spirit, into the dry areas of your spirit, of your soul. I'm about to release a well. Oh, man. It's going gonna, it's gonna to run all the way through your soul. It's going to bring refreshing. And you're going to say, God, what do I do with all this? And the Lord says, you do nothing except, except spend time with me and love on me. So the Lord's going to call you to his chamber in different parts of the day and even into the night. And I hear the Lord say, just rest in me. And allow my spirit to overwhelm you. I hear the Lord saying, you've been running on dry. And it's time to start letting the river flow. So Banky, let the river hit the banks of your life. Amen. 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 All right. I got to talk about this topic. So I got, I'm not going to look at y'all because then the Lord will highlight y'all. And then I got to start prophesying and speaking words of encouragement. And so um, you, how many here, when you went to school, you were asked to take notes? Raise your hand. <laughs> I see Louisiana. <laughs> I don't do no school. No. Um, <laughs> so only three people raised their hand. I don't take no notes. In All right. I get it. I get it. All right. So um, if you were, if you have to take notes at at school, or, or if you meet with your financial advisor, I would, some of y'all would take a lot of notes, you know, and, and, and when you go to college, uh, y'all take notes, right? But it's funny when they get to church and God speaking, they don't take no notes. So anyways, my wife said, don't make them feel bad because that's what you, you like to do a lot. I, I just want to challenge you. If the Lord speaks to you, then take some notes. Why? Because I'm about to give you a lot of information. And, 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 and in this, with this information, try not to get lost in the woods and the weeds. Because understand this, you got to understand this. Information is vital above all else. Information. Wisdom is information that has been leveraged. Say leveraged. Now the rest of you say leveraged. So, so, so the secret, write this down. The secret is to understand leverage. Leverage is used in business, is used in really all seven mountains or realms of, 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 of life and existence. The art of leverage, a person who can leverage or maximize and you maximize information, you become wealthy and you become prosperous and you become influential. When you leverage information, watch this, you get immediate inspiration. Say inspiration. So when you leverage information, you get inspiration. Now, understand this. Inspiration creates then a process. 
like a chemical reaction. Stay with me. Inspiration when leverage creates illumination. And illumination when leverage creates revelation. Revelation when leverage creates transformation. Transformation when leverage creates manifestation. And manifestation, watch this, is God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven through your life. Through your life. And it all starts with information. But what happens with the church is that we hear a lot of information, but if it doesn't make us laugh, if it doesn't entertain us, then we push it aside. And all the while, the answer to your coming out of debt, the answer for your marriage to be uh, 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 fixed, the answer for you to become the person that God's called you was in some boring information that you failed to leverage. Because, because this is what Or Roberts said this many years ago. He says, miracles either are coming by people or coming to people. And it's all based on our placement or our ability to leverage what God is saying. Because God is always speaking. And it's in the moment. And it's not whether you need to feel right. It's not the worship leader's fault or the pastor's fault or the temperature of the room or whatever it may be. It's your ability to leverage. So with that, let's talk about church government. What? Yes. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So he's talking about the incarnation, God becoming man. And then it says, and the government will be on his shoulder. And so, so, and then his name will be called. So his government, the government of God will be on his shoulder when he establishes himself through the incarnation and then the death, burial, and resurrection. But the name of this son, it will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God's government is wonderful. It's peaceful. It's mighty. It's everlasting. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So the word on the screen, the word government in the Hebrew there is the word misra, misra, which is rule, dominion, government. Rule, dominion, government. And I don't know whether there's, you know, I, I will not get into politics and stuff, but I don't know whether there's, you know, centrists or rights or lefts in this room or not. But right now, you know, the whole concept of government and people don't want to mix the two or everybody thinks it all needs to be uh, mixed and politics are being spoken about, you know, in, in, in the lobby or and stuff like that. And it's just absolutely crazy. Whether you're big government Medium government or no government, government is important. Why? Because Jesus has all governments on his shoulder. Because the word, the use of the word government waters down the, the intensity of what Scripture is saying because really Miss Raw it's dominion on the screen to our modern mindset is better translated and the dominion shall be upon his shoulder. The dominion. In other words, Jesus, contrary to popular belief with us 
very spoiled Americans, Jesus is not a, he doesn't operate in democracy. He operate in the Old Testament, it was a theocracy. In the New Testament, it's a Christocracy. In other words, he is the big cheese. He is the top. He is, he is it. The, the, the buck stops with Jesus. You guys are hearing this, right? All right, so, so, so what comes to your mind when you hear dominion? Well, a sense of royalty, rule, supremacy, never changing authority and power, ability to accomplish whatever is needed or desired, full, complete control, dominion. And I know what happens. Well, well, well Jesus can be that, but we're going to manage the church a different way. See, government is sometimes viewed negatively, seen as something that inhab- inhibits our freedoms. Rightly so. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm going. I'm transparent. Listen, listen. I'm, I'm very. My opinion is very small government. I'm not a libertarian. You need, you need some regulation. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when we hunted, thank God that there is regulation on hunting. Because if not, there will not be teal. Because I know these crazy Cajuns will be shooting teal every day. So regulation's important. Government's important. It's funny how all the government workers here didn't say anything. However, government is necessary. It's, an, it's, a, it's a necessary element of human society. It serves to establish and maintain order. So anyone that doubts the need for order should think back to their school days. Remember this? And you remember the time when the teacher, for some reason, left the room. Y'all remember, some of, some of y'all looking at me like... <laughs> Mm-hmm. When Mike, when Miss Mendez left, leave, she would leave the room. Immediately, the instigator would rise up, spitballs, staples, you name it, books flying across the room, because that's what happens when order leaves an area. So, in the absence of authority and organization, the human nature lends toward mischief and chaos. And that's why when Jesus, he is not the hippie, tiptoe through the tulips kind of guy that came to save you. He also has an iron fist. He is the God of order and dominion. Since God is the author of government, then it's easy to realize that he also then, he desires his church to be well ordered. So there will be, number one, organization, order, direction of ministry, and number two, authority for leadership and correction. With that said, and I must hurry, what do I have, like 10 more minutes left? What do y'all do? Y'all go to eight? Man, y'all got this, right? So it's in, now I'm going to give you some information, but, you know, just leverage it. And then all of a sudden you start seeing some inspiration pop up, okay? Let's talk church government for a little bit. Church polity or church government, okay, refers to how church leadership is structured. So while 
There are many variations and nuances found within individual churches. And, you know, there's a lot of them, okay? Essentially, all of them are variations of one of the top three. And the first one is Episcopal, Presbyterian, or Congregational. What? No, yes, they're denominations, but they're also forms of church government. So how is this going to help me pay my refrigerator payment? Well, first of all, first of all, quit using your credit card. Secondly, well, let me flip it. Tithe, give to missions, quit using your credit card. Now listen to me talk about church government. All right, here we go. And so, so, so okay, now we got that out of the way. So this subject may be complicated because by the fact that, you know, I don't want you to associate denominations with what I'm about to tell you here. So every church is either independent with no higher authority outside of that local church or is, or is part of a group of denominations. So you're going to probably ask a lot of questions to your pastors as to what, how this government works and how all this happens and how do the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, what does all have to do with any of this? So let's keep going. I'm going to give you information. Your, your job is to gain questions because questions lead to revelation. Here we go. The first one, let's talk about the Episcopal. The Episcopal form of government. The word Episcopal is, is from the Greek word episkipos, which is often translated in English as bishop or overseer. So this form of church government, what it does is functions, if it functions with a single leader, often called a bishop. How many here, this is, I mean, this is Louisiana. I got saved in the Catholic church, charismatic Catholic. And then when I found out that I, I probably shouldn't be praying to Mary or statues, I'm like, peace out, I'm out. And I went to an Assembly of God church. But damn, Assembly of God church in the country, I had a crucifix, golden crucifix. They're like, boy, don't you know that Jesus don't came off that cross? Why are you wearing a crucifix? Missing about five teeth of him. I'm like, this is a crucifix. He died for me, and I really like it. Well, hey, you got to wear a cross. And I realized that I came out of religion into more religion. Because Pentecostals or Protestants really criticize Catholics. And Catholics are like, bro, you wouldn't be you if it wasn't for us. The Roman Catholic Church is a form of an Episcopal government. Okay? The Pope is the Bishop of Rome. And below him are other bishops who are in, in turn responsible for other bishops all the way down to the parish priest. Anglican Church, the Episcopal Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, they all are forms of an Episcopal, Episcopos form of church government. Okay, you guys got that, right? And so many other churches have an Episcopalian form of government, even though they won't officially recognize it. And some independent churches have one pastor who is the ultimate authority in all decisions of the church. And this is called a strong pastor form of government. I don't know who you guys are thinking. What are we? Well, finally, you're using your brain. 
You need to know and ask questions, not to disagree or agree, because they're not going to change the government for you. You just need to know because none of these are wrong. They work. For many, many years, centuries. Okay, so some multi-site churches, they have a single pastor at each location, but one head pastor who's the final authority. That's an Episcopal form of government. Some churches may claim to have a Presbyterian which is the next one, elder or congregational rule, but in reality, it's still a single bishop, strong pastor who has final authority because the next one is Presbyterian. So the word Presbyterian is the, is the, is the, is the, it comes from the Greek word presbyteros, which is usually translated elder. Okay? In this form of government, authority then rests not with a single individual, but a body of elders or presbyters. So in denominational churches, a local church board of elders answers to a hired board of elders, which is made up of select elders to represent a church. Ultimately, the final board of elders, sometimes called the General Assembly, has authority on matters in that denomination. But in independent churches or autonomous churches, final authority rests with the local board of elders. See, some of y'all might not know what type of government is First Assembly. You need to ask. And it's just good to know. How is that going to help me? Believe it or not, the more you pursue wisdom, the more wisdom opens up in other areas of your life. You're not just a dumb Christian. So, in some churches with elder rule, the elders are elected or ratified by the congregation. Watch this. However, once the elders are ratified, the congregation then does have, have, doesn't have any power to remove or overturn the decision. Elder-based. Bishop-based. Elder. The next one is congregational. These are the top three in most churches whether Pentecostal, Baptist, Independence, seeker-friendly, whatever flavor you have, they will use either all of these or some of these, congregational. The congregational churches, the final authority rests on the congregation. This polity takes various forms. Let me, let me rerun through this. In some churches, there are almost no designated leader, or as some may say, except the Holy Spirit, that's what they say, and the congregation is and then involved in virtually every decision, every decision that is made, like the color of the carpet or what type of fan to use in the green room. I've, I've had some pastor friends who they have congregational and the a, a, a form of government and the pastor's wife has to wait six weeks so a light bulb can be changed in her house because the church still has to vote on any kind of maintenance on the house. 
Come on. And listen, after, after, after some of these examples, if we get into a little conversation, you're going to be so thankful for First Assembly and how your pastors do church here. You're going to say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So listen, in other churches, the congregation elects the primary office. They elect the office holders, you know, pastors, elder deacons, who then will term, who, who then will make a decision only consulting the congregation on major issues such as incurring debt building to the building or you know, bringing in a new pastor and whatnot. In congregational churches, if the majority of the congregation objects to any of the, of the decisions or believes that a leader should be removed from office, they have the authority to take action. I'm not against any of these, but some of these governments have a propensity for Jezebel to get in there. If you don't know who Jezebel is, it's not a woman. It's the demonic mindset of control that pretty much castrates leadership. But I know there ain't no Jezebels in here because y'all Wednesday night folks, you guys are Christians. (laughs) All right, I must continue. Congregational. Folks, even denominations that have Episcopalian or Presbyterian forms of government often have to adjust their positions due to congregational pressure. So a smart pastor and elders, they have to know how to use a mixture of all of them. There are evangelical, Bible-believing churches tongue-speaking churches that utilize the forms of church government mentioned above. So I'll tell you what we are. I'm an, I, I don't belong to a, to a denomination. I, I believe in relational networks, but I'm the, I, I use Episcopal because I, I'm not the vicar of Christ like the Pope. I submit myself to a board, an accountability board. I have a pastor. And and so is Pastor Jim being here? Yeah, Pastor Jim Hennessy will be my pastor. And there's a an accountability board that they can only remove me if I have committed various sins that my board under me have the right to talk to my accountability board. So I'm not this one guy up there waving a magic wand saying, I am the man. No, it's, I don't. And so, um, but ultimately I have, I have elders, but I also have congregational board of advisors. I have deacons, but I don't make the final decision on bathrooms and types of soap to use. Are you crazy? That's insane. So anyways. Let's continue. We have to know this. The form of church government, whatever form you use, is not a major major doctrinal issue. So don't get stuck in the weeds here, okay? The most important issue is that those who are in leadership positions, they have to submit to the authority of Christ and obediently follow his lead as revealed in scripture. 
Acts 20, 28. It's not on the screen. I'm just going to read it. It says, pray carefully, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which is obtained with his own blood. So listen, Jesus is the head of our churches, is the head of this church. And if any system, any board, individual leader or congregation begins to displace Christ and the word with their own beliefs, see ya, don't want to be ya, don't listen, take off. Get if if your pastors get weird, and they're not, but if they do, but they're not, if they do, they better not. They're not. They're not. But what I'm telling you is you have to be mature enough in the word to know if Jesus is not the Lord of this church and his word is not being preached. And, and, the, and the dogma that comes from the word of God is not being followed, then you, you're going to have to have some intelligence here and recognize when something's wrong. Your pastors would love it if you would actually take notes and then study at home and then come back with questions. So the Lord was very clear in his word about how he wishes his church on earth to be organized and managed. Number one, Christ is the head of the church and its supreme authority. Ephesians 1.22 says that he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all, all things to the church. If you saw that out there, good. Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn among the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Number two. The local church is to be autonomous, free from any external authority or control. I mean, this means governmental, not denominational. With the right of self-government and freedom from the interference of hierarchy of individuals or organizations. Listen, your ancestors and my ancestors as well, as a Puerto Rican man, all of us are, are really here because of number two. They... Our ancestors, for the most part, for the most part, our ancestors, many of us, were not allowed to be autonomous, free of external control. So they left their homelands so they can worship. It's important. Local churches to be autonomous, free of any external authority or control. Titus 1.5 says, Paul said, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put every put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Paul left Titus in Crete and says, said, fix it. Fix it. So Paul even gave Titus this freedom, but make sure Jesus is, set, is Lord. Number three. The church is to be governed by spiritual leadership consisting of two main offices, elders and deacons. Now, we're not going to get lost in the, in the woods here because some churches, whether you restart a church, relaunch a church, plan a church, it doesn't matter how long you need to be a church. You Pastors have to be really careful regarding elders and deacons. 
but elders and deacons are important. Okay? Which brings me to the fivefold ministry within the church. Now, let's dig a little bit, all right? You all ready? There is a biblical precedent to overlap between the fivefold ministry and the forms of government. Now, it's unfortunate, but many denominations, they have eliminated completely the fivefold ministry and they, they're hard on just church government and do things one way and that's it. But churches like this one, our churches, we really feel in our hearts that we're able to juxtapose proper church government with the giftings of ministry. Fivefold ministry. So there's a biblical precedent for this. The first one is this. It is possible to be a deacon and hold a fivefold ministry office. Philip, in the book of Acts, was a deacon and an evangelist. Well, I thought I got to be licensed with the assemblies of God. No, brah. No. You just, you got a gifting as an evangelist, then evangelize. Number two, it's possible to be an elder and hold a fivefold ministry office. Peter was also called an apostle and an elder. First Peter chapter one. Number three, nowhere in the New Testament does it say that all elders are or should be fivefold leaders. If you're an elder and you just bring stability and wisdom to the table, you have no idea how important that is. Elders have saved our ministry and all they do is sit back and watch and observe. And when they do this number, it's like, oh God. Nowhere in the New Testament are fivefold ministers expect number four expected to be elders in the local church. Philip, as above, again, was an example there. So if these four things are true, then we shouldn't expect local, we shouldn't expect local churches to each all have all or some or even fivefold ministries based there. I remember one pastor, oh pastor, pray for me. I ain't got no fivefold ministries in my. I got nobody to help me. I got no prophets. I got no evangelists. I said, "What do you have?" Well, I got people. I said, "I was good stuff." People are very important. Quit trying to find the fivefold gift out of them, and why don't you just teach them to love Jesus? Fivefold ministry gifts. Those are. By the way, let me just get something straight. I'm sure pastors have your pastors have taught you this, but fivefold ministry gifts—they're not offices of authority; they're giftings to the church. They're, they're gifts to the church. And I know some of y'all, maybe y'all, some of y'all came from a a church that said, you know, the pastor calls himself bishop, apostle, prophet. Da 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 da. It's like my goodness, he's got titles everywhere, and 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 they like to use prophet or pastor or or, or apostle as a, as an office of authority. And I'm like, no, that's just your gifting. 
All right, let me just, let me help you here. Let me, let me get practical. In, in the West, we used to, we, we overuse the term pastor because we don't know what else to call the person or the, or, or the man or the woman. Come on, ladies. Come on, ladies. I, listen, when I, in my churches, when the pastors lead, I have nothing but ladies that preach for me. Because I believe, and so if you all disagree with me, we can have a conversation afterwards, but since I'm a guest speaker, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> women, women are awesome and anointed. And we can talk First Timothy chapter 1 later on. We can talk, and trust me. But my, my point here is, whoever leads a church, they're not necessarily the pastor. But we just give them pastor as a title because we don't know what to call them. So well, what am I supposed to, people ask me, what are you? Well, my ministry gift is not a pastor. Trust me, it's not a pastor. Huh. Well, what do we call you pastor? I said, well, I don't know. Just, I don't know. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Just call me anything, but don't call me Bob. I'm sorry. Is there any Bobs here? It's just the culture. They're pastoring the church when in reality Pastors have pastors that pastor. And most pastors are really, they, they can function in any area of the fivefold gifting. But in reality, what are they really? They're the head elder. Head elders, that's all they are. So Pastor Joe don't want you to call him elder. Just call him Pastor Joe. Brother Joe, Brother Joe. <laughs> Sister Shannon, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, I got, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. All right, stop, stop, stop. stop. All right, here we go. What was that? What was that? So, so, so a senior leader shouldn't be called an apostle if he or she is not one. That undermines and undervalues both apostleship and eldership. And a pastor or teacher or an elder that is called an apostle, but isn't one, will still, in reality, function as a pastor, teacher, or elder. It's not, the title's not important. That's what I like about what Bethel, anybody familiar with Beth, Bethel Ministries, what, Bill Johnson is really an apostle, but people just call him Bill. Because somebody asked me when I came to Georgia, what do I call you? I said, you call me how you see me. What am I to you? If you want honor, if you want to honor, then call me how you see me. I don't care how you call me. Just don't put a full little word before my name, though, and we're going to fight. You know what I'm saying? Right, anyways. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All right. Can, can, I, can I wrap this down? It's after 8 o'clock, Jesus goes home. All right, here we go. So in short, it's worth restating that elders in reality lead the church, not the fivefold ministry. But you can't do away with the fivefold because as we disciple people, I look for those who are functioning as teachers 
who function as pastors, who function as evangelists, who, who have a prophetic gift. And what my job is, what I found out that I do, I have an apostolic gifting, and one of the giftings of an, of an apostle is to, to pull out of people what their touch is, what, how, what God has graced them. And sometimes you need somebody to extract out of you. And I'm really good at challenging people, by the way. I get them mad a little bit, but I challenge them because I like to expose them to their lies, expose them so they can see what's in their way, so then they can make a decision to live a life of discipline. That's what a disciple is, a disciplined one, in order for them to fulfill their purpose, their calling, so that they can stand before God and say, I did it. And then he can say, well done. My job is that you do that, that you get there instead of you coming just to warm up your bums on the chair. You believe it or not, your gifting in this church is not church attendance. Your gifting is to get involved. Get involved. Miss Planning Center, what's your name? Miss Planning Center, that's you. Angie, I'm sorry. So here's Angie. Angie, can you stand up, Angie, and just kind of wave at everybody? This is Angie, guys. So one of the things, if, if I'm correct, one of the things she's going to do, she's going to work with planning center. She's going to work with ma making sure everybody who volunteers and everybody who, who signs up, she is going to be like a hawk. She's going to make sure that every position is filled, that everybody serves properly, because it is in the area of you serving where you're going to discover the gifts that you have. And then to the point that you get hungry and thirsty, you're going to say, I can't wait when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because I can either be a prophet, evangelist, pastor, or a teacher, or a deacon, or an elder, or whatever it may be. Well, maybe I'm not there yet, but maybe you need to get here in order for you to learn so that you can function in some area, whether it's with kids, whether it's with cleaning the facilities, whether it's in worship, whether it's in uh, greeting, ushers, whatever it may be, tech, whatever it may be, you have to allow these gifts to flow out of you. Watch this, within the structure, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, within the structure and the government and the accountability and the order that God has formed here so that this church can fulfill the purpose that it's been destined for. Government and order is not control. Oh no, they're telling me what to do. Shut up. Silencio. The best way to see the gifts come forth out of you is when Jesus said, You gain life by losing it. Here am I. Send me. I discipled what we call, we have a thing called a Timothy team, and I've been doing this for years in all the churches that we've had. And in, 30, in 32 years of ministry, I have not hired one person outside of the local house. I haven't. Because one thing that I do is 
I look for young, young talent. Young, that's not necessarily in age. There are some people that are in their 40s, and I consider them young these days. <laughs> Come on, somebody bear witness. <laughs> oh, man. But we, 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 they become part of a Timothy team, and this, somebody, this is a group that I personally disciple. They read books. They have to write reports. They got to read the word. I meet with them every two weeks, and then I have surprise meetings with them. I cook dinner at my house, and we talk ministry. We talk discipleship. We talk uh, the word. We talk theology. And out of that group, I either get deacons, elders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, or I get Judases. Or they have to make decisions still. It's the most painful thing when you pour your life into people and they just turn their back on you. And not just turn their back on you, but they turn away from Jesus. You can imagine how Paul felt when Demas walked away. I had a conversation with some pastors. They tell me, why do you do that? Just hire from outside. Because I don't believe in hirelings. Because Jesus himself said, if you get a hireling to watch the sheep when the wolf comes, they run, but sons stay and fight. Sons fight. And I don't know about you, but maybe some of you, you have a desire. I don't think I get that. Our piano guy to come. Because this is when like, Jesus shows up, you know, when the, when the piano guy plays. Play me a song, Mr. Piano Man. Play us a song tonight. Because I'm trying to move in the Holy Ghost. But he's waiting on you with those nice shorts and those unmanscaped legs. I'm teasing, man. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> and that's how church government breaks apart. That's how it all crashes down. <laughs> My man. Structure and order. God is a God of order. He is a God of structure. Nothing takes him by surprise. He's not schizophrenic. He doesn't always change. He is immutable. It's one of his attributes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he says, he will do. He is not a son of man that he should lie, nor a son. Oh, yeah, I know the rest of the scripture. Son of man, he should repent. What he says, it shall come to pass. His word, when spoken, does not return void. What does that mean? It means that he is a God of order and structure. And it's what we have to do is align ourselves with his order and then kind of figure out what is God doing at First Assembly and how do we do this with keeping the spirit of unity. Christ the head, the authority of the word, However you do it, y'all figure it out. But whatever happens, 
whatever he says, once you do it and he gives the okay, then you create that structure. Now watch this. The flow of the spirit is metaphored as a river. Not a swamp, but a river. The difference between the two is water movement. But the reason why there's water movement, because the river has banks, river banks. River banks is called the structure. See, a lot of of people say, I don't know. That church ain't led of the spirit, all that structure and order. And I'm like, you don't understand. Rivers flow in structure and order. That's what the banks are for. And so however the church government, your pastors, your elders, whatever it may be, if you're curious, ask them. If you're not curious, the only thing we ask you to do is stay within the structure so that you can then flow with the river. But most people live their lives on the riverbanks instead of in the river. And when they're on the riverbanks, all you do is criticize and complain about the river. And all them people swimming in that river. And they're all, some of them are ankle deep, some of them are knee deep, some of them are hip deep, some of them are chest deep, some of them are swimming. And all we're doing many times is just fussing and complaining. And when, and when you get asked to serve, when you get asked to be a part, when you get asked to give away food and give meals away and be an evangelist, be a pastor, teach somewhere, we don't. Because we disagree with structure. Your calling is not to disagree with structure. Your calling is to fulfill the purpose that God's given you. So if you don't, and again, hear me, please. Hear my heart. Hear my heart, please. If you don't agree with the structure, talk to some people. Let them have a conversation with you. And even after they've spoken with you, if you still disagree, this might not be your church. Because you're going to hurt the church when you are in the wrong structure because you don't want to submit to the structure. Structure is important. It's vital. Without structure, we can't pay the bills. Can't, Can't do the things that we do here. I don't know what some of y'all are thinking. I just, I just want Jesus just to give me victory over the things that I'm dealing with right now. Wow. Your doing flows from your being. So if you're not doing, it means you're not being. So be first, the person that God's called you to do, and then start to do. I like what Philemon, verse 6, says this. The Apostle Paul tells Philemon, I pray that you may be active in the sharing of your faith 
so that you may know every good thing you have in Christ Jesus. You're going to have to do it, not just attend it. If you do it, you'd be surprised. I did a lot of street ministry in my earlier years. I would carry a cross, went to Chicago, New York, different places. I would carry a big old cross. I would set it up. We went into the uh, the, the Robert Taylor homes in, in Southside Chicago. To me, I'm like, I'm really young, really dumb, but young and dumb. And I'm like, I, can't, I wish I could get beat up for Jesus. I want to be a martyr. I want to preach the gospel. I want to be like David Wilkinson to tell Nicky Cruz. But I would tell these, these, these young people that I would bring, and they're telling me, oh, Pastor Manny, help me because I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. And I can't be on the streets. I'm like, you're struggling with porn. You're struggling with addictions. And you can't be on the streets. That's all the reason why you need to be on the streets. But you don't understand. I'm going through some depression. Share the gospel. Get involved. Well, don't I need counseling? Yes, Holy Spirit will counsel you after you share the gospel. Because I believe the best cure for Western American church sickness is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why don't you get off of your blessed assurance and go meet a need go pray for somebody even though you're hurting even though you're busted and disgusted and you're broken you're all messed up why don't you still find a way to minister to somebody and when you do you've died from the bank into the river you're still flowing and you'll start to recognize every good thing it happened to me I would, I would go through some bouts of depression and issues. And, but when I would preach the gospel, all of a sudden, none of that matters anymore. He's able to, I was able to learn to fix those issues without minimizing my ministry. What does that have to do with Episcopal, Presbyterian, Congregational? I learned to submit to God and to man. To order, to structure. I learned that my pastor was the representation of Jesus here on earth. And even though I saw the imperfections of my pastor, because my pastor had many, I have a gazillion imperfections. I still learned how to submit under my pastor. And I learned that I didn't have authority unless I was under authority. And when I walked under that authority, I walked under an anointing, knowing very well that I am submitted without complaint, murmuring, backbiting, disunity, Folks, it took 50 days for the disciples to figure out this whole thing. What to do with Judas? I could see Peter. Peter, I could hear Peter say, if Judas didn't hang himself, I will hang him myself. 
Maybe Peter didn't say that because Peter denied him. Maybe it could have been Simon the Zealot. But it took all that time in an upper room for them to get within the structure and the one commandment, wait until I come and pray and forgive each other, love each other, don't live in fear. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one union and one accord. And then suddenly, structure. You say, you got that out of a congregational Presbyterian? Presbyterian and yes, yes. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm on overtime, I'm sorry. I'm trying to end this thing. If you have to go, they can leave. I don't know. Can I have a couple words? Could I have a couple words for some folks? I feel in my heart that in this room right now, and I will never expose you or anything because I don't even know who you are. New Testament prophecy doesn't work that way. There's people here that you're struggling a little bit with structure. You've been frustrated with it. Being frustrated with it is not bad. Expressing your frustration to others is. So if you have an issue with structure, go to the makers of structure and then have a peaceful conversation. The enemy looks for cracks and he slows momentum of the river when he starts to break the banks. And so... The structure, as structure for our churches, we're constantly remaking them. Why not to appease people? Oh, God, no. Oh, you know that ain't the story. Not for us. No, we restructure as we're led of the Spirit, but then we hold people's feet to the fire and, and how structure is followed. And then we try to rescue those and train and teach those that, disagree with the structure. I was talking to Pastor Jim. They went full tech on their building and have like 3,500 people. I don't, I don't know how many people show up to our church. That's where Abby is there now. But they 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 went big giant LED screen and lights and, and stuff and immediately people are like, oh, this technology and why are you doing this and you know, it's almost like those Pharisees that looked at that woman and said, why the waste? Why all this? And Pastor Jim told me, he said, between from Trump, Hillary, Trump, Biden, Black Lives Matter, vaccine or no vaccine, mask or no mask, none of those were issues that exceeded why you have why is there a big screen and lights and smoke machines? He said we had we lost many people over it because people don't know how to handle and go through the proper channels of structure and government and peace. And sometimes, folks, we got to agree to disagree. But we make Jesus the center of everything. Then we go. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I got a word for...
are you, you guys? Are y'all, are you, obviously, you're, you're, you have your arm around her, so if not, you're like, playa, playa, playa. But, but married or, or dating? Dating, ooh. Okay, so, so I, I heard the Holy Spirit said, new season, new season, new season, fresh season. I heard the Holy Spirit say, find spiritual fathers and mothers. Don't live this thing by yourself. Find structure. Find accountability. For what I am going to do is going to blow your world, squirrel. But his what he has for you has to be sought out. Kind of like the pearl of great price. In scripture, Jesus tells a parable that a guy was walking through another person's field and he finds a pearl and goes, oh my goodness. But he's like, it's not my pearl. So he does, he buries the pearl, sells everything he has and buys the field because the pearl was in the field. I hear the Holy Spirit say, you're going to have to make some decisions in order to put Jesus, not just on the top of the list, but the center of your lives. And to this, in this new season, you're going to have to sell some stuff, get rid of some stuff. You're going to have to wipe out some things and recreate a structure. That's why you need a father and a mother to help you. But if you try to do this by yourself, you're not going to make it. It's going to be super hard. Um, it, it isn't because, because yes, yes, God can lead you, but the, the greatest way that God will speak to you and lead you is through elders, pastors, leaders. Submit yourself under them and extract wisdom from them in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. So this, you guys, I don't know if you, you look married. I think you're married, right? I was going to say, because if you're not married, it's really weird. I don't know what kind of church you got happening here. How many years? 17, 17 years. Okay, this is weird, but I'm going to share it anyway. And you can just take it with a grain of salt. And if I'm wrong, then you can tell Pastor that I was wrong. And I'm going to say, okay, I was wrong. Sorry. New Testament, they don't stone prophets. Thank God. All right. So I saw, it's going to be weird. So I saw like stacks of cash, like being thrown at you. Like hitting you on the head. Boom, like hitting you and 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 I said Lord what is that and and the cash basically means this I have opportunities for them so the cash comes after you initiate the opportunity so you but opportunities are so unique because it's not going to happen tomorrow well maybe and Holy Spirit just said don't put a time limit I'm, okay Lord I got gotcha. you okay so he said he says to me, opportunities are going to present themselves to you, but you're only going to recognize them when you're walking in the spirit and in unity with one another. If you are in disagreement, the opportunity will be at 98.7 frequency, but yet you're living in 95.4 frequency. And so you're not even going to see it, but it was so close. Because when you live by the Spirit, an opportunity will present itself. You say, well, what does that have to do with money? I have no idea. I don't even know what you do for a living. But I heard the Lord say, there are opportunities for increase. And they are monetary. So don't put pressure on it. Just take it to prayer and say, Father, what is it that I have to do? But look 
search out wisdom. Don't be out selling everything. And I don't want to, you know, lucky seven, lucky seven, you know, horse number 12. No, 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 no. That's not what that is. It's not at all. It's not at all. Don't, don't go. I have to, I have to, I have to have this disclaimer. Because church folk are crazy, man. No, I heard the Lord say, be led of the spirit and you'll know. But the way that you'll know is the people you're accountable to say, wow, go for it. But even more, the unity between y'all two. You're going to gonna take your breath away. You're going to look at each other. You're going to go, let's do this. Let's do this. And the prophetic word, it's just a confirmation. So don't go to, don't, don't set out, try to fulfill a word. The word, just look at you and say, I told you all the time. I told you. That's basically what the Holy Spirit is saying. But this puts some faith inside of you when it presents itself. If you're living and walking by the Spirit, you're going to cash, cash. The young man that was walking back here, you, can you come? I don't know who you is or any of that stuff. I, I, guys, I am officially done. If you need to go home and put the kids to bed, whatever. Um, listen, come, come. I, I don't, I won't, I won't bite hard. <laughs> What's your name? Braylon. Braylon. Okay, Braylon. It's a deep call in your heart. And you're like, how do I do this, God? How do I do this? And there's lures. They're going, Braylon, Braylon. Whether it's financial, sexual, lust, distractions. It's pulling away from that call of the Lord that's deep inside your heart. First of all, I hear the Holy Spirit saying there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. However, I hear the Holy Spirit also saying, tell Braylon to live a life set apart, holy unto me. But if you mess up, you're not performing for him. You're not his jester. You're his son. And fathers forgive sons. And you are a good son, says the Lord. A good son. And you need a father. You need a spiritual father. I don't know if your father's in your life or not. I don't know. I'm just hearing. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing, Holy Spirit. You need a father in your life that can mold you and shape you. But you also need one that can tell you the truth. Because you, you have a... You have a hard head. And when you, and you have this anointing, I call it an anointing, but it could be a, it's a double-edged sword because you're like a pit bull. When you hold on to something, you won't let go even though you're, you might be wrong. So you have to know how to submit. And I'm done here, guys. Paul had to be taken. When Paul went to Jerusalem, listen to me. Stay, I'm not finished with you. I, I'm just letting anybody know that I'm done, but I'm really lying to them. All right. So Paul had to take, had, Paul had to go to Jerusalem. Remember, he had to meet with the council. 
in the book of Acts, in the Bible. Okay. You know, he did? Yeah, he did. Um, but when he goes, to, he goes to Jerusalem, he's got Timothy with him. Timothy was, in them days, even was half-breed. He was Greek and Jewish, but he was not circumcised. Y'all listening, and I'm going to end it here. Listen, he wasn't circumcised. We all know, we all read it. Paul, in order for Timothy to enter into the temple, and back in those days, there was so intermixing of people left and right. One of the ways that you were allowed in the temple, you had to do this. And if you had foreskin, you could not go in. So what did Paul do? He told Timothy, come. Can you lay down right there? Just lay down. He said, Timothy, can you lay still as a father will take the very private thing and a father his spiritual father cuts on him. Can you imagine, Timothy? You're hurting me. This hurts. That's why the last epistle that Paul writes in the canon of Scripture, it's literally my favorite because Paul talks about his son, Timothy. And at the very, very end, he says... For I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Paul's about to die. And he knew that as a martyr, that he had sons, and particularly like Timothy, who didn't but the government and the structure of his spiritual father. But he was willing to lay down and be cut on even though there was pain and bleeding, he allowed Paul to cut on them so that they both can fulfill the calling that God gave them. A spiritual father will cut on you. He'll cut away the things that don't belong. He'll cut away the things that don't need to be there. He's going to cut, a spiritual father is going to cut on you so you can become the man of God that you've been destined. The things that your spiritual father is going to cut on you are the things that are more sensitive, most sensitive to you. But you got to trust. Trust the process. Trust the structure. Submit. And then fulfill the calling that you have. That's the word of the Lord for you. That father is in this house. He's here. Thank God it ain't me. Father, father, me son, and son, me father. Can't get me emotional and hand me a microphone. 
Amen. Um, let's stand up together. I think that's a... It's, it's so true what Pastor Apostle, Deacon Bishop Elder Manny said. I mean, listen. Even Jesus rejected the title of king because church and, and government and the structure isn't for the, it's not for the elevation of our flesh. It's actually for the humiliation of our flesh, for the glorification of the Father. John said that I must decrease so that he can increase in the earth. And listen, if you have questions seriously about, we, we do a first steps class, and we go through all of this boring information about church government because, because it, it empowers you as a, as a believer, as a member of, of, of First Assembly, as a, as a member of the body of Christ to understand where those banks are. You know, it's powerful. Because, I mean, you can get anywhere on roads. I mean, they got roads everywhere. But if you start driving on the wrong side of the road, you're going to die, you know? You start driving too fast, a cop's going to pull you over because it's, it's dangerous to you and to everyone else. It's the same thing in, in church. I mean, we all want to get to a destination, but if we don't obey the, the, the laws of the land, you know, it can cause great harm and all that stuff. Amen? So let's go to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Lord, thank you for just... For just tonight, Lord, I believe that I want to confirm just some prophetic words. I believe that those are of the Lord. Without going into too many details, I believe it is it is God. So, Lord, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we just give you the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I pray that you just encourage us, strengthen us, Lord, that we can accomplish your will. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your kingdom come in Youngsville, Louisiana, Lafayette, Lord, this whole region, Lord. We are the agents, your ambassadors, Lord. Even ambassadors have to operate by, by government, by structure. Ambassadors who don't obey the rules aren't ambassadors anymore. So, Lord, just the, the whole language of the Gospels is kingdom. We thank you for that, Lord. So I pray that you just impress that upon our hearts tonight. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.